Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Submitting, we looked at the Greek word and we we saw that it was the Greek word hupoteso, which means to be under obedience or to be subordinate. And I mentioned that this word hupoteso has been described as a humble recognition of the divine ordering of society. And within this, we considered how God indeed is a God of order. And in his economy, the word submission is not a bad word. Because in relationships, it forms part of the building blocks for God's new society. And so God's desire is that his children walk in submission. And as I said, last week we considered how we are to walk in submission one to another in the fear of him in the fear of God because that is what he is asking us to do that as we're walking in submission one to another that we wouldn't think of ourselves as being too high that we would esteem our brothers or our sisters as higher than ourselves that we'd put their needs above our own very needs and I mentioned this morning that if we were just to, to, to live just one commandment which Jesus gave, gave us, which was to love our neighbors as ourselves, what would the world look like? Not just us as, as believers, but what would the world look like? I mean, would we have murder? Would we have theft? Would we have people lying and cheating? Would we have those things? If we was considering our neighbor as we would want to be considered ourselves. And so, being in submission one to another is exactly how the Lord wants his children to live. To relate to each other in relationship. Now, Before we go into our text, there's something else I just want to establish and want to have in our minds. And, and this is the, the, the fact that Paul, throughout this epistle, he has been highlighting to us that now that we are in Christ, we are one. We are one in Christ Jesus. You know, we are one new body. We are one new man. We are members one of another. And we know that this is absolutely true. Galatians 3 verse 28 also says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so when we look at verses like this, what we need to do, just as we've tried to establish in the book of Ephesians, is that there are spiritual truths... 
and spiritual realities because we are one with Christ. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That is a spiritual truth. <laughs> you may not be outworking those things in your experience, but it's a spiritual truth. And we have spiritual truths, but then we have natural truths because we are still natural beings. We are physical beings. We live in a physical world. And so being physical beings, we have to function and relate to each other exactly how God has designed us to function and relate to each other in this natural realm. And so God has his divine order. Now, you may be sitting there today and you may not agree with God's divine order. But his divine order still remains true. And he's not going to change to your order and your way of thinking things, of things. And so, as we consider these things, we have to know that the scriptures tells us that in God's economy, once we're relating to each other in the right way, it creates the right balance for stable relationships. Whether that's one to another, whether that's in the family unit of husbands and wives, children and parents, or whether that's in the workplace and employers and employees, there's a, natural, there's a divine way of us relating with each other. And the interesting thing about this, and I hope we can try and grasp hold on to it, is that within this mystery of oneness, we still have diversity. We are one, but we're different. And we see this picture within the Godhead itself. Because we would all agree that within the Godhead... God is one. We would agree that they are all equally God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We would equally agree that there is that oneness there, but they function in different roles. We don't have the Son trying to be the Father, the Father trying to be the Son. We don't have either of those two trying to be the Holy Spirit. There is oneness, there is unity, but there is equally diversity. Oneness, equality, unity, and diversity all working together. And so, again, trying to relate this to our text today in terms of our roles and our position and our function as men, as women, as husbands, as wives, we see that it is God's order of equality and functionality. Oneness and diversity which demonstrates order and not superiority. Now, that's a phrase you're going to hear me repeat and repeat and repeat again. Order and not superiority because that is what I want to sink into your minds. God's divine order. And this is exactly why Paul addresses wives first. Because in the family unit, we have wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. 
And so if you have your Bibles and you're in Ephesians chapter 5, we will read from verse 22, we'll take it down to verse 24, and then we'll try and expand a little bit again. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, the Apostle Paul qualifies this statement, and he qualifies it by taking the thought back to Genesis, back to the book of beginnings. And so, again, if you have your Bibles with you, please, would you turn to Genesis chapter 2? And when you're at Genesis chapter 2, will you say amen? amen. Genesis chapter 2. And we will read from verse 21. But basically, an outline is that we have the creation of man. And the scene is, is that Adam was alone. And God created and presented all the animals for Adam to name. But there was still not a suitable help me for Adam. And so... Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Amen? So, when I read this text here, what I actually see is, I see order. I see God's order. What we have is God the creator. He created man and he gave man function and responsibility. And then based on a need for the man, he made or he built a woman and presented her to him. And Adam said, yo. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He's happy now because now he has a helpmeet who is suitable to him. So again, at this stage, as I read the text, we still see order, but I don't see any superiority here. Order, but not superiority. Okay, flick your page over to the right one page, I believe, to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to read from verse 13. But again, in a nutshell, we have the scene where the woman, Adam's wife, she got seduced by the serpent. And as a result, she partook of the fruit from the tree of knowledge of, the tree of, knowledge of good and of evil. 
And that is the tree which exactly God had said, do not eat of that tree. And she gave it to her husband and he ate and sin entered into the world. In a nutshell, what happened was God then turns up. He assesses the situation and he passed a series of judgments and curses which we still, the effects, still see the effects of today. And verse 13 says, And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So already what we see here is a cause of sin. We see that Eve is not taking responsibility for her actions. She's trying to pass the blame. It wasn't me. It was the serpent. Okay, interesting. So the Lord turns to the serpent and he says, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And as we look at this, we know that this is prophetic of Christ coming in the flesh and dying on the cross and dying for the sins of the world. But hallelujah, praise the Lord. We know that death could not hold him. So the serpent was judged first. Okay, in terms of the man and woman, what happens? Then God turned to the man. It says, then God turned to the woman first. Just as Paul is addressing women first in our text today, he turns to the woman and he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. And this is the key part that I want us to have reference to in our text today, which says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. So I read that now. Maybe some of you women are saying, is that it? Is, 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 is that what you're hinging all this submission talk on? Come on, Pastor P, what's going on here? You've got to have something a bit better than that. Well, it's interesting because... This word desire, it comes from the Hebrew word teshikor. T-E-E-S-H-O-O-K-A-W. And this word means to stretch out after, to long for, or to control. And this is an interesting word. And it's very interesting because, you know... If you flick your Bibles to the right one more time to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7, we see this same word and it's built in within the same parallel construction. And in Genesis chapter 4 verse 7, it's, God is speaking to Cain. And Cain was having a hard time with anger management. 
Cain was having a hard time with jealousy and envy. Cain had murder in his heart. And God said to Cain, Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies or, as, or crouches at the door and its desire is for you. But Cain, hear what? You should rule over it. So God is saying, Cain, sin wants to stretch out after you. It wants to rule you. It wants to control you. But you, Cain, you rule over it. So, with that in mind, back to Genesis 3. Jack, back to Genesis 3.16. And what, so, so, could our account be saying, Beloved, as a consequence of sin and as a consequence of the punishment of the curse laid down by God, the woman will naturally want to rule, dominate, control, or run things within a marital relationship. She will naturally want to usurp authority from her husband and not want to submit to his position of leadership. Now, if I dare say it, there, 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 there's levels of how women do that. You know, some women, they're just upfront with it. No, I'm not doing it. This is what we're doing. And they run things. And there's other women who do the... <laughs> oh, honey. Oh, honey. Whichever level you're at, women, you know. You know. You know how to run things. You see, yes, women are equal with, with, with men. But within the marital relationship, God has given us order. And within this order, within the household, you know, the role of the wife is to be subordinate to the leadership of her husband, to the rule of her husband. And... Again, as I look at this, I don't see superiority. I see, you know, order. That's exactly what I see here. God has given divine order. And he's saying, look, that's, that's my order. It's going to bring the, bring the best balance in your relationship. You may not want to heed to it. But look, this is my order. And... In many relationships, you know, women unwittingly usurp this authority. And equally, many husbands, they buckle because they know that if they keep challenging their wives, it just creates tension, it creates drama, it creates arguments. 
And who wants the arguments? You just want to live a peaceable life. Amen? And you see, this is exactly what Adam did. Because the verse goes on in verse 17 to say, Then, Adam, and then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to. So it isn't like you can't listen to your wives. It's like, well, look, is what she's saying going contrary to what God is saying? Because God gave a commandment here. But Adam heeded the voice of his wife. He went against the will of God. And so he says, in toil you should eat of it all the days of your life. So again, I'm not saying men are not to listen to wives because that would be silly. That would be ridiculous. And, you know, many women, many wives have, make better decisions than men. Oh, we need to say a bit more of that. <laughs> but when the wife is controlling or contradicting exactly what God has already said, then that's where we get the problems. And so within the text in Genesis, what we've looked at, you know, Adam and Eve were both at fault. Adam for not leading and heeding the voice of his wife, which was contrary to God's word, and Eve for acting independently and usurping authority. And as a result of the fall, what we now have within marriages is a situation where we have two sinners colliding together. Colliding together in close proximity. And only if they both submit to the will of God in their relationship, they will either have something which resembles heaven on earth. Or they will have something which could quite resemble hell on earth. They would either have iron sharpening iron and it's all good. Or they would be having this iron rubbing against iron and creating jagged edges and blunt edges to where communication is just terrible. You're living with the person who you're meant to have the closest relationship with and you can't talk to them. You can't communicate. You're not helping each other grow and mature into what God has brought you together to do. No, you're fighting against each other. And basically, it's because you're not submitting to the will of God. Now, that could be more on one person's part than the other. It could be. And the scriptures is not encouraging one person to submit or to, to, than another. Submitting ourselves one to another. It starts with both people submitting to each other. And so we're talking about God's divine order. And if a wife is to follow the divine order, if she wants to be obedient to Christ, if she wants to put on Christ, and be filled with the fullness of God, as we've been looking at in, in this epistle, you know, God is able to turn that curse of Genesis 3 
and turn it into a blessing. So a wife needs to place herself under the submission and authority of her own husband. Not because she thinks he deserves it. But because it's God's divine order. And as I said before, you know, last week's verse was that transitional verse. It's linking the filling of the Holy Spirit to now empowering us to do what we need to do in our relationships. And so, you know... This allows, as we're functioning the roles we're meant to function in, this allows the Holy Spirit to flow through our relationships exactly how God wants us to flow, how he wants it to flow. And he goes on to say he wants it to flow so, so our relationship with him will not be hindered. And so the thought goes back to Genesis but you know in the, in in the gospels Jesus alludes to the same thing in terms of order when the pharisees questioned him about divorce you know Jesus answered them and said have you not read he who made them at the beginning beginning made them male and female god's order 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. There is order. And so again, if a, as a wife embraces this role and as, as she is empowered to fulfill her role as a, as a wife, this brings a righteous balance into the um, marital relationship where two sinners don't have to be colliding with each other and what Paul's trying to establish here is that as people are functioning in their roles as God wants them to you, it's, it's, it's part of the building blocks for God's new society this one new man this one body he's been talking about throughout this epistle. So, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And we have to see that it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. And not to somebody else's husband. Not to your friend's husband, or to such and such a minister, or to such and such a ministry. No, you submit yourselves to your own husbands. You know, that person you made covenant vows with. You stood before an altar and you said, I will honor and obey. And as we look at this text, we see that it's directional, you know, Wives, submit unto your husbands as to the Lord. You know, ultimately, our submission to God is the goal, is the primary objective. And as a wife is submitting to her husband, inadvertently, she is submitting to the Lord. And... It's interesting that it says, as to the Lord. 
because there are many relationships where a wife comes into a relationship with Christ Jesus and the husband's not a believer. And in that situation, as long as the husband is not asking her to do anything contrary to God's word, a wife is meant to submit to her husband. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. And that's beautiful because what this is saying here is that there is something wives can do which is nonverbal. I believe 70% of communication is nonverbal. So, Peter, how, how, how can wives do this? Well, when they observe, when the husbands observe your chaste conduct... Accompanied by fear. Accompanied by the, the fact that you fear God. You're in relation, relationship with God and you want to please God. And he says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging their hair and wearing gold and putting on fine apparel. So, looking good is good. Women, it's okay to look good. To wear fine clothes, to put on to do what you do, but there is something better. And Peter goes on to say that he says, "But rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit." But Peter, is that your opinion? Is, is this that how you see things, Peter? Well, no, because which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, that's beautiful. It's precious in God's sight. It doesn't necessarily have to be precious in your husband's sight. But before God, he's saying, wow, a gentle spirit. Ooh. I see that hidden person of the heart. They don't have to say anything, but their actions, what they do and how they do it is beautiful. Okay, well, that's good. But are you going to go on? Yeah, for in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves. But what are you saying here? What? Sarah, Ruth, Esther. I mean, name some of these women. What? They done this? Yes. Being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, I don't know about you husbands, if there's any husbands in the house. Wow. You sure about that, husbands? Are you the head of your household, husbands? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Husbands, I'm going to give you another opportunity here, okay? Don't let me down. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Okay. All right, then. We won't take that any further. 
whose daughters you are if you do good and not afraid with any terror or amazement. That's another word for that, that word terror there. And so what? I, ooh, it's a beautiful description of a godly woman and of a godly wife who trusts in the Lord. Who trusts in the Lord even though her husband is a joker. And her husband does not obey the word. She's still meant to act in that responsible way, respectful way, submissive way. And Peter takes, again, he takes the thought right back to the book of beginnings. Right back to Genesis. Abraham and Sarah. Because Abraham, as we know, is considered to be the father of faith. He believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And Sarah is considered to be the mother of submission. Calling him Lord Lowercase l, guys. <laughs> Whose daughters you are, if, again, you do good and not afraid with any terror or amazement. And so, the encouragement and the challenge is for wives or women as a whole to, to adopt these inner qualities and serve the Lord as they serve their husbands. Adopt these inequalities. Why? Because your husband says so? No, because God says so. You know, how, do you, how, how are you to be a man? Well, you know what? Look at, the, look at the best example of a man. Look at Jesus. And see how Jesus conducted himself. Don't look at David Beckham or whoever it is. No, you need to look at Jesus. Well, how, how, do I, how do I need to, to know that I'm being a good woman? now? First Peter 3, Proverbs 31, you know, Titus 2. You're not going to find out any other way. That's where you need to look. And when you look at those things, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, you have to say, you know what, I'm not like that. I need to change to be like this because that's God's standard. That's his order And it's not superiority, it's just his order. And so, Peter goes on in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. He says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. See, husbands, you need to be understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker or fairer vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers, your prayers, may not be hindered. So again, if husbands and wives and wives and husbands are functioning as they ought, this will have an effect on their communication with God. Their prayers will not be hindered. But if you're not functioning how you should be functioning, could we look into the text and say that your prayers will be hindered? If you're not even communicating to each other on a, on a, on a decent level, 
What? And then you're going to go into your prayer closet and God's listening to you. Come on. That your prayers will not be hindered. And we've looked in Ephesians how, you know, the scriptures encourages us within relationships. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. You know, so if you've got a problem, sort it out. If we have problems, we are to sort them out. We're trying to work that. And you know what? It's not always easy. I know it's easy for me to stand up here and say that. You know, 24-hour period, you know, don't let the sun go down your wrath. It's much hard. We all know it's much harder to work that out. We don't always get it right. But that is the standard. And anything short of that is us missing the standard. And so we are encouraged to have right relationship with each other. And that is exactly what, what the apostle is getting at here. It's like, look, there's God's order. It's his way of doing things. And as, as we line ourselves up with God's order, we function how God wants us to function. It is building, it is putting in place the right building blocks for society. And you know what? Let's not get it twisted. You, we, we all are exposed to the fact that we have a generation growing up with no father figures in the house. You know, mothers having to do the role of, of father and mother. And we wonder why these guys are walking around the way they're walking around. It's because the right building blocks have not been put in place. And so we have a responsibility as God's people where the world is not maintaining that balance we have a responsibility to maintain that balance, to work at that balance, to say, you know what, Lord, let your word be true. I'm going to line up with your word. And so, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And you know, other beautiful, and I mentioned it before, other beautiful verses and chapters within the scriptures which gives wives indications and give beautiful references to how a wife could be a virtuous, submissive wife. You know, P31, Proverbs chapter 31, the whole chapter is beautiful. A few highlights are verse 10, who can find a virtuous wife? Question, who can find one? Will, Will can find one. Mark, Cain, any more? <laughs> and everyone else who are married, just raise their hand for the CD's sake. <laughs> Sorry. Verse 12, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Wow. She's always looking for his best interest. She's not thinking, oh, you was horrible to me last night, so therefore, I'm not cooking your dinner. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Forgive me. That doesn't happen in my house. For the record. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And I can testify that that hasn't, doesn't happen in my house. 
praise the Lord. So wonderful portions of scripture which we can glean from. That women, we can glean, you can glean from. Men, you know, there's verses. You, you need to read these things as well. So you're, you, you know what, you know, what the scripture says about your wives and about you and how you're meant to conduct with each other. Conduct yourselves. In the New Testament, we have Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18, which is like, again, like a par parallel verses, um, which says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Again, as is fitting in the Lord, you know, as he's not asking you to do anything which is compromising your faith. You know, if he's asking you to go and rob a bank, then no, don't do it. We have Titus chapter 2, the older women, likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And there is a saying which says that it takes a generation of older women to teach the next generation of younger women. And so there's a responsibility on women to minister to women, to teach women. To teach women what? That they ad admonish or caution the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. And he gives us a list, that, he gives a list here of what young women, that women in general should be following. To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So, you see, we see biblical qualities which define a godly wife. And can I just say that if you are a single woman, then God is your father. And you have to remain subject to God, ultimately. And there's a very interesting verse in Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 5, which says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. So even if you're single, God is your husband. You submit to him as you are submitting to his word. And so... The text in this, it covers all bases. It covers all bases. And it's all about order and not superiority. It's all about God wanting, wanting to allow his spirit to flow through our relationships, how he desires for them to flow, and for us to put those building blocks so that we create his new society. And so we come to verses 23 and 24, which, in my mind, now becomes pretty much self-explanatory. They speak for themselves. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject or submissive, same Greek word again, hupoteso, to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And when I say everything, I mean 
For I believe it means as it's, it's everything which is not contrary to God's word. And so, biblical headship within the home is given to the husband. And let me please reiterate that in no way does the Bible ever imply that a husband's headship is to be centered around control and domination. But rather, as we're going to look into next week, it needs to be centered around love. Christ loved the church that he gave. There's that giving aspect, element. You know, so it's love and it's being sacrificial. It's care and it's commitment. And again, Christ is our example. So, as husbands and wives, as men and women are functioning within their roles, according to God's order, this forms part of the building blocks for God's new society. And again, it's all about order and not about superiority. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. I pray, Lord, that it would just resonate within our hearts and within our minds. That, Lord Jesus, um, your name will be glorified. That we would say, you know, what you say, Lord, you are the captain of our faith, Lord. That what you say is yes and amen. And that, Lord, that we would function within the roles which you have laid down for us. Not because you have made either of us better than anyone else, Lord, but because it's your order. It's the way you have designed things, Lord. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that even today and for the rest of the week, Lord, that we can lay, take hold of these things, Lord, and we can implement them into our lives. That, Lord Jesus, um, within relationships, within marriages, Lord, that, Lord, the right balance could be found. That, Lord, we wouldn't have a situation where two sinners are colliding with each other, Lord. But we'll have two sinners saved by grace, allowing each other to function exactly how you desire for them to function. And so, Lord, be glorified again in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.